This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. I wanted to just say Bruchim Abayim to everybody. We wanted to thank also Shul.com, Jonathan Dagmi, for all their help and always bringing more and spreading more Torah. Bezrat Hashem, we always love this partnership and we should have many, much more Shiurim and more Torah in this Beta Knesset and in the entire community as a whole. Bezrat Hashem, we are very honored to have. Rabbi Gatstein here, that we know beautiful things have always been said about him. We always hear beautiful shiurim. And the Bezrat Hashem, we're going to be inspired also again tonight. Bezrat Hashem, she can, can, he should continue. Michal el Chayil, Bezrat Hashem. In the Bezrat Hashem, Arbitz, Lagdil Torah, Ladira, Bezrat Hashem. Good evening, everyone. Bershut uh, the Marda Atra, the Rosh Kolel, Rev El Maleh. I want to be Mavarech, the Rav. He should have continued Siata Deshmaya to raise up the Kihilat, to raise up the community, the Torah, the Yerav, the Chomidan, the Chona, the Hagdil Torah, I want to thank my good friend, Rev Jonathan Dagmi, and uh, on behalf of uh, Shul.com, he should have continued Brachav HaTzacha, Bechom Yadav. The Harbitz Torah, the Hagdil Torah, the Hadira. I want to thank my friend Reb Nassim Wadler for uh, for his assistance with this year. Friends, we're living in historical times. The events that are unfolding before our eyes are shocking. We're trying to understand. We're trying to wrap our heads around what exactly is taking place. What does it mean for the Jewish people? And we all know we're very close to the finish line. You know, we're not in... Uh, Avram Avinu lived in 1948. The Torah was given in 2448. We're many thousands of years later. We're close to the end. So we want to know, how close are we? Are we there yet? You know, when you take your children on a trip, after a few minutes, are we there yet? Are we there yet? We're almost there, friends. How close are we? You know, it's very interesting. If you look in Sefer Daniel, three dates are given regarding the coming of Mashiach. 1,375. Other dates that we can't really make heads or tails of. Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar tells us that when the Jews were in Egypt, they had a tradition of three dates. 210 years. 400 years. 430 years. And they could not reconcile it. They didn't know how to fit all the dates one into another. Actually, they didn't know until the redemption happened. Meaning a day before the redemption, they could not figure out what's 210, and what's 400, and what's 430. In fact, B'nai Ephraim, they figured, time is up, so they left 30 years early. Says Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar, if in Egypt, where they knew the numbers, they knew 210, they knew 400. They knew 430. And yet they couldn't reconcile the dates until the dates happened. Then in our times, when we don't even know what the three numbers are, we don't know what they are even, certainly we will not be able to reconcile the dates until the great day comes. So if you think you're going to figure it out because you got a WhatsApp message, one thing I could tell you for sure, Mashiach will have nothing to do with WhatsApp. 
You're not going to get, if you get a message, spread this message now so Mashiach could come faster, just turn it off, just ignore it. The Mashiach, the redemption, will have nothing to do with WhatsApp. But one thing I need to tell you that's very important. You know, in last week's parasha, <coughs> the angels come to Abraham and they say, we have great news. The great news is, you know, you've been waiting a long time. Abraham Avinu was 99 years old. You're going to have a kid. And what was Abraham's reaction? Vayitzchak, he laughed. Rashi, the Targum says, Vachadi, he rejoiced. He was so happy. He was ecstatic. And then Sarah hears the news. Vatitzchak, Sarah, Bekerba, Leymar. Sarah says, come on, it ain't going to happen. There's no way this is going to happen. She, she was incredulous. You know, it's very interesting. Why does the Torah tell us that Sarah laughed? Why do I need to know that Sarah laughed? You know, all the Torah should say is that three angels come to Avram's house and they tell him he's going to have a kid. And Avram tells Sarah and they make a little l'chaim and then Yitzchak is born a year later. Why do we need to know Sarah laughed? You know what we would call it? If I would have told you, if the Torah would not have written, Sarah laughed, and I would have come into this shul, and I said, by the way, everybody, I want to tell you something. It doesn't say in the Torah that Sarah laughed, but I'm gonna la- I was there, Sarah laughed. What would we call that? Lashon Hara. But the reason why it's okay is because the Torah says it. And then, it's not over yet. God comes to Avram. He says, Avram, Why did Sarah laugh? Now I have a question for you. If a wife sins, and you go over to her husband, and you say, Ruvain, why'd your wife sin? So really, I didn't know that. What do you call that report? Rechilut. And yet God comes to Avram. He says, why did Sarah laugh? And Avram says, I don't know. So Avram asks Sarah, why'd you laugh? And what does Sarah say? I don't know what you're talking about. Why are you always blaming me? Stop it already. I didn't laugh. And then Avram says back, No, you laughed. Or according to Midrash, God comes to Sarah and He says, No, you laughed. By the way, you know, it's interesting. Rashi says that Avram was secondary to Sarah in prophecy. Avram was tafel to Sarah b'neviyot. Really? Isn't that interesting? How much prophecy did Sarah receive in her lifetime? How many words of prophecy did Sarah receive? The only thing God ever told Sarah is, No, you laughed! That's the only communication between the Almighty and Sarah in the whole Chumash. What do I need this whole story for? Why do I have this story? The angels come and they say, You're going to have a kid. And Sarah laughed. And God says, Why'd she laugh? And Avram says, Why'd you laugh? And Sarah says, I didn't laugh. And Avram says, You laughed. Don't lie. What do I need this story for? Why are we bad-mouthing Sarah? Why are we putting Sarah down? It's bad enough she's infertile. She's just waiting her whole life to have a kid. Now we have to add insult to injury. We have to ask her why she laughed. Chafetz Chaim says that I studied this episode and I contemplated what is the Torah teaching me with this story, with the laughing of Sarah. Says Chafetz Chaim... Sarah is the Jewish people in the end of days, in 2023, where events happen in the world, and we recognize on our own, and our rabbis teach us that the Mashiach is coming. Mashiach is coming. And in order for Mashiach to come, we need to prepare ourselves. What does it mean we need to prepare ourselves? We need to do tshuva. We need to, be, we need to do tshuva. 
You know what tshuva means? Tshuva means we need to change. We need to be better. Do we believe Mashiach is coming? Yeah, we say we believe. We believe. But are we doing anything about it? You know what our reaction is? We laugh. We're incredulous. We don't really think He's coming. We say to ourselves, yeah, yeah, He's coming. You know, if you ask most people, when's Mashiach coming? Mashiach is coming in two and a half years. Why two and a half years? Because six months it will take Israel to knock out Hamas. Then you have like a roof in the ceiling, you have a, um, a leak in the ceiling you still have to fix. And then another year to find a good buyer of your house. And then Mashiach is coming. In most people's mind, Mashiach will come in two and a half years. But the Rebun Hashem is telling us, you need to be ready today. So you say, of course, I'm ready, I'm ready. What do you do today? Did you do tshuva today? Did you wake up in the morning and say, Chatati, Aviti, Pashati, God, I've sinned before you, I'm returning to you, I'm ready for you to bring redemption. Did you do that today? We didn't do it. God's going to say, so why did you laugh? Why did you laugh? You don't believe it's going to come? You're laughing. We're saying, no, we didn't, we didn't laugh. You're laughing. Every day right now, we have to prepare ourselves. We have to come to the Beit HaKnesset. We have to come early. Come early and leave the phone at home. You don't go into a Beit HaKnesset with the phone. Can't. If you want a video of the shir, I'll let you do that now. But for tefillah, can't bring it in. Can't bring it in. Otherwise, you're not, you're not preparing yourself. You're laughing. He's not really going to come. So, exactly when He's coming, we don't know. But one thing we do know, you got to be prepared. But let's try to understand in a general sense, in a general way, how do we fit in the events that are happening before us into the context of the destiny of the Jewish people. You know, when I was a kid, I grew up in New York, if you would have asked me, what exile are we in? I would have said, what do you mean? We're in Gullus Edom. We're in the final Gullus, Gullus of Rome. What does America have to do with Rome? America is like the spiritual heir of the Roman Empire. Judea Christian values, that's America. And in my lifetime, you see a, seg- a segue, you see a transition from the domination of what we call Western ideals to something called Gullus Yishmael. What exactly is Gullus Yishmael? Is there such a thing as Gullus Yishmael? Where does it come from? You know, you could. Bet your bottom dollar. Every time in Bereshit you have the number four, the Midrash explains that the number four refers to the four exiles. Anybody know what the four exiles are? We have Babylon, we have Parasmadai, Persia Media, we have Yavan, we have Greece, and we have Edom. Medrash after Medrash after Medrash. The four rivers in Gan Eden, the four exiles. The Ha'aretz Halisa. Tohu is Bavel. Bohu is Madai. Choshech is Yavan. Alpnei Sahaim is Edom. Every single four, the four rivers, Avram Avinu and the Brisbane Habasarim, Ema, Gedoila, Chashecha, Noifel Esolav, the four exiles. And every time the Medr speaks about the four exiles, it always identifies Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome, never a word about Yishmael. Yishmael never made it to the list. 
Now I will tell you, Ibn Ezra, Ibn Ezra says that the Gullus are the Gullusim are as follows: Babylon, Persia, Greece, and the fourth Gullus is Rome and Greece. In other words, like this: Persia, um, Babylon, Persia, Rome, Greece is number three. Yishmael is number four. That's the Ibn Ezra. And it's very difficult because that's against all the Midrashim. And Ibn Ezra, very often, as is his general approach, will learn certain statements not like the tradition of Chazal, but the, the tradition of the Midrash is the fourth Golos is Rome, and Yishmael is not on the list. Even though, I want to bring to your attention, you know, Ashkenazim, when we say Tachanon, uh, we put our head down, and we say chapter 6 of Tehillim. <coughs> chapter 6 of Tehillim is Lamnatseach al Hashminis Mizmar Ledavid. By the conductor on the eights. The eights. What are the eights? Anybody know? The eights. The Midrash says the eights are the eight exiles. What are the eight exiles? So the Midrash says that, very interestingly, each exile is a dual exile. So Bavel, its counterpart is Kazdi, the Chaldeans, and Paras, Persia, the counterpart is Media, and <clears throat> Yavan, its counterpart is Mokdan, Macedonia, and the Medrash Shochartov says the final Galos, Yishmael, and Edom. So that's very interesting. So even though typically we always talk about four exiles. The four exiles could be further subdivided into eight exiles. But what's interesting is when Rashi and Sefer Zachar, if you have on your sheet in number four, when Rashi quotes over these eight exiles, instead of saying Yishmael and Edom, he speaks about Edom and then Yishmael. So that's something we have to understand. Because if in the final Golos, it's Edom and Yishmael, who's first and who's last? That will make a big difference. That's important to know. Who comes first? Edom, the Western world, or Yishmael? <coughs> the Arizal takes this a little bit further. Arizal says that in the vision of Daniel, Daniel saw this man. The head represented Babel. The two arms represented Paras and Madai. The body represents Yavan. And the two long legs represent the two final long galosim, Edom and Yishmael. And what we want to know is these two final galosim, which one lasts last? Which one will be the last one standing? It almost seems like in the end of days, what it's going to come down to is the battle between Edom and Yishmael. And who's going to win that battle? And that's what we see unfolding before our eyes. You have Yishmael, maybe in different countries, in Lebanon, in Gaza, in Yemen, in Iran. Are they consolidating? We see the rise of Yishmael throughout Europe, all over the world, Al Pnei Kolech of Nafal. And then you see the Western world, that's so to speak trying to figure out where they stand. And in that battle between Adam and Yishmael, who stands last? 
So I want to bring to your attention two Gemaras. One Gemara is a Gemara in Avodah Zarah. The Gemara in the beginning of Masechta Avodah Zarah says, and the end of days, God's going to take out Sefer Torah. The key, you left the key for me? We're going to take it out? Thank you. No. We don't have to take it out right now. But when Mashiach comes, God's going to take out the Sefer Torah. And He's going to say, whoever learned to this, come receive your reward. And all the nations of the world are going to clamor and say, yeah, yeah, we learned Torah. We supported Torah. We gave money to Yeshivot. We gave money to Kolalim. And God's going to say, one at a time, one at a time. Don't, you can't come in... Uh, in bitter uh, bovia, you can't come in confusion. Make a, a neat line. And the Gemara tells us that the important nations will stand first on the line. And the Gemara says, Who is the most important nation? The Gemara says, Edom is the most important nation. Says the Gemara, Okay, what's Edom going to say? Edom's going to say, What do you mean? We did so many things for the Jewish people. We made stores. We made bathhouses. We collected, we amassed silver and gold. Everything we did was so that the Jewish people could learn Torah. All of the infrastructure, all of the money, everything we did was so that the Jewish people could learn Torah. And God's going to say, you fools! That's not why you did it. Now listen carefully to the language of the Gemara. The Gemara doesn't say, God says, you're wrong. No, they're not wrong. Everything the nations of the world did was so that we could learn Torah. But they're fools because that wasn't their kavanah. So God's going to send Edom packing and they're not going to be able to receive reward. The Gemara continues. The next nation that walks in is Paras, Persia. And Persia says, we want to receive reward. God says, why do you want to receive reward? He says, what do you mean? We did a lot of things for the Jewish people. We conquered many cities. We built many bridges. We waged many wars. Everything we did so that the Jewish people could learn Torah. And God's going to say, you fools! That's not why you did it! And they're going to walk out dejected. Ask the Gemara, what makes Edom and Paras chashuv? Why do we say that these are the two nations that will walk in first? Says the Gemara, because these will be the only two powers that will last until the coming of Mashiach. So listen to this prophecy of the Gemara. The Gemara says in the end of days, there'll be no Greek empire. There'll be no Babylonian empire. There'll only be two world powers. Rome and Persia. Now that's very odd. Rome is long gone. Okay, you could say, well, the Western world, the United States of America, are the spiritual heirs of the values and ideals of the Roman Empire. So Rome will last until Mashiach comes. But could somebody please tell me, what does it mean that Persia will last until Mashiach comes? How will Persia last until Mashiach comes? The Persian Empire is long gone. The Persian Empire was defeated by the Greeks. How could the Gemara say in the end of days, there will be Rome and Persia? There's no Persia. That's one thing we need to think about. So if you would like to think that when the Gemara says in the end of days, it will be Rome, America, and Persia, if you would like to think Persia means Iran, 
And somehow in the end of days there will be two world powers. United States of America and Iran, if that makes you feel good, kal hakavod. It's doubtful that when the Gemara talks about Persia, it's referring to Iran. Iran today are not ethnically from the Persian Empire. They're somewhere from uh, the Oriental. It's very doubtful that Persia in the Gemara refers to Iran. So what does it refer to? I want to share with you another Gemara, Gemara Masechta Yuma. The Gemara Masechta Yuma tells us in the end of days, there'll be two nations standing, Rome and Paras. And the Gemara says, one will defeat the other. And then Mashiach comes. So who defeats who? Amazingly, the Gemara says in Yuma, if you look at number 7, it's a machloikas, it's a dispute. Amar Rabbi Shua ben Levi, Amar Rabbi. Rabbi Shua ben Levi says in the name of Rabbi, Asida Roimi Shatipo Biad Paras. Rome will fall to Persia. How does that make you feel? Living in the United States of America, knowing that USA will not be the last nation standing, according to the Gemara. It will be Paras. The Gemara continues, this is also the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan, that Roimi will fall to Paras. And then the Gemara brings another view. The Gemara brings the view of Rav. Amar Rav, Asida, Paras, Shatipo, Biad, Romi. Rome will defeat Persia. That's, you know, USA, USA. Persia is going down according to Rav. But one thing's for sure, in the end of days, there are only two powers. Persia and Rome. Who beats who? Tzamachloikes. Rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan, Persia beats Rome. Rav, Rome beats Persia. Number one, who is Persia? Why are they still around in the end of days? What does this have to do with what's happening today? Let's come back to our original question. We have four exiles. Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome. Why is Yishmael not on the list? Why isn't Yishmael one of the Golosim? We don't suffer enough from them? They don't cause enough trouble? This is a question that is raised by none other than the Maral of Prague in a number of svarim. And the Maral gives two fantastic answers. One of them, he says, is the definitive answer. First, the Maral says, you have to understand what the definition of Malchut is. What does it mean for Malchiot? You see, there's an idea, God is the Melech. And His dominion and His sovereignty is reflected through the Davidic dynasty, through David HaMelech. See, it's very interesting. You know, every throne has four legs. Anybody know, what are the four legs of God's throne? Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov. Who is the fourth leg? David, Regel, Revi. David is the fourth leg. Without David HaMelech, God's throne has no stability. That's why when Yehuda is born, says Shlach HaKadosh, Vata'amoid Miledes, Alashon of Amida. God's throne had stability. And through David HaMelech, the world recognizes Vahaya Hashem LeMelech Al Kol Haaretz. There's no Malchut Beit David. Malchut Beit David is the projector of Malchut Shamayim. When the Babylonians came and they destroyed the temple and they exiled 
Malchut Beit David, they took Malchut Shamayim and they usurped it, they hijacked it, and they took it for themselves. And then, when the Persians conquered the Babylonians, they took the power of the Babylonians, which is the power of Shamayim, the power of David. And then when the Greeks conquered the Persians, they have Malchut Shamayim. And then now Edom has Malchut Shamayim. Which means that there's this seesaw relationship between the Jewish people and Edom. Kishazek kam, zenofel. When this one gets up, this one falls. Because it's one source of power. Either we have it or they have it. That's why the Gemara says, if somebody says, Jerusalem is built and Caesarea is built, don't believe him. If someone says, Jerusalem is destroyed, Caesarea is destroyed, don't believe him. It's Kishazek kam zenofel. Remember Haman and Mordechai. Haman is Gilgul of Esav. Mordechai is Gilgul of Yaakov. When one is up, the other is down. Kishazek kam zenofel. But Yishmael has a new source of power, has a different source of power. The source of Yishmael's power is not Malchut Shamayim. The source of Yishmael's power is there was a man named Avraham Avinu. And Avraham Avinu offered a prayer. He said, Lu Yishmael lefanecha. If only Yishmael would live in fear of God. And God listened to that prayer. And God said, I listen to you, Avraham. So Avraham infused Yishmael with Koach. And therefore his success in no way affects our success. He could be successful and we could be successful. He could be down in the dumps and so could we. Therefore Zohar HaKadosh says, we're not happy with Avraham Avinu. We turn to Avraham Avinu, we say, Avraham lo yeda'anu. Avraham, why didn't, why didn't you love us? Why didn't you pray for us like you prayed for Yishmael? It's almost like it, it hurts us that Avraham Avinu offered that tefillah for Yishmael. This is the first answer of Maral of Prague. But the Maral of Prague says, let me share with you the definitive answer. Why is Yishmael not one of the four Malchiot? He is. Which one is he? He's number two. He's Paras. He's Persia. Says Maral, what does Persia have to do with Yishmael? Says Maral, the four Malchiot are not four ethnicities. They're four character traits. And the Persian Empire and the Yishmaelim have the same character traits. What are the character traits of Paras? They wage wars. They conquer cities. This is the essential character of Yishmael. And therefore Yishmael is considered one of the four Malchiot. So even though the Persian Empire fell, the Persians are still around. How? In the personality of Yishmael. According to Maral of Prague, he opens up for us a new understanding of what the Gemara means in the end of days. There'll be two nations standing. There'll be Romi, America, and Paras. What do you mean? Persian Empire fell. Yishmael. He opens up for us an understanding of what the Gemara Numa means. Then at the end of days, it will be Yishma, it will be Paras versus Romi. Who's that? USA versus Yishmael. And who's gonna win? It's Machlekes. Machlekes. Rebbe, Yishmael wins. Rabbi Yochanan, Yishmael wins. Rav, USA.
Now that's not a very comfortable thought. And I didn't come here to make anybody feel comfortable. Because I don't live here. I'm going to go back to New York in a few days. I'm not here to make you feel good. I'm here to report the facts. The Gemara teaches us that in the end of days, there are two nations standing. Rome, USA, and Yishmael. And that's what we see. That's exactly what we see today. And who's going to win? We're going to wait and find out. But the question is, can we get like a psak halacha? Can we get a definitive view of who will be the last nation standing? Now I want to share, I want to throw a curveball into this. Because, you know, people think about the Roman Empire and they think, oh, the Roman Empire, the original Roman Empire, how did it fall? People think to themselves, oh, there must have been an invading army and they overcame the Roman Empire. That never happened. So why is there no Roman Empire today? It was never, atta- it was never attacked. It was never conquered. It disintegrated. It had no values. It realized it didn't stand for anything. There was political corruption. And slowly, 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 the powerful Roman Empire, it just disintegrated into thin air. Something that, you know, we don't think that anybody could ever attack the Roymi of today without being explicit. But when you study historically what happened to Rome, it was never attacked, it disintegrated. What are we seeing today? And that should give us a pause to think about what's unfolding before our eyes. But let me throw in another important factor. Because does any you know we, we daven every day and we await, we yearn the coming of Mashiach. Does it, you know, I want to share with you a thought I had yesterday. Yesterday at about four thirty PM. And because you're such a nice audience and in honor of shul.com, I want to share with you a chidush that I, I never said in front of an audience before. You know, after 120, God's going to ask us a lot of questions. We're going to be cross-examined. But there are going to be six main questions that God's going to ask us. And one of the main questions that Hashem's going to ask us is, see peace Yeshua. Did you await the coming of Mashiach? And I was thinking about that. There's 613 mitzvot. Where in the Chumash does it say that I have to await the coming of Mashiach? It says that somewhere? I mean, there's so he's not going to ask, did I wear tefillin? I'm sure we're going to have to answer that question, but that's not one of the big six. He's not going to ask, did you wear tzitzit? Did you light candles Friday night? That's, those are not one of the questions. One of the questions are, did you await the coming of Mashiach? Where does it say I have to await the coming of Mashiach? You know that the smak, Sefer Mitzvot Katan says, it's the first mitzvah in the Torah. Where? How? The first mitzvah in the Torah is, I am the Lord who took you out of Egypt. Yeah, what's that have to do with waiting Mashiach? Says the smak, if we are required to believe that God took us out of Egypt, part and parcel of that tenet of faith, is that God's going to take us out of the current Golas. What do you think? It's a static belief? I should walk around, yeah, I believe God took us out of Egypt. I believe God took us out of Egypt. What's that going to do for you? 
says the smack, part and parcel in believing that God took us out of Egypt is the obligation to believe He's going to take us out of this gallus. And therefore, since belief in the Exodus is so fundamental, belief in the coming of Mashiach is very fundamental. But then the following thought occurred to me. You know, the Ramban, probably in his most famous comment, the end of Parshat Bo, the Ramban wants to know, why are there so many mitzvot that commemorate Yitziat Mitzrayim? Why do we have so many mitzvot? First, you know, every single door you leave, basically there's like a little parchment. It says, don't forget, God took us out of Egypt. And then if that's not enough, every morning you have to come to shul and cut off your circulation for a little bit, for about an hour. You wrap it tightly around your arm and you put it on your head to remind yourself that God took us out of Egypt. And then if that's if you forgot, you're going to say it in Shema. And if you forgot, we say it again. And then every Friday night, and every seventh day you got to rest. Remember, God took us out of Mitzrayim. Why do we have to constantly remember Yitzhak Mitzrayim? So the Ramban says, because through the Exodus, Hashem demonstrated many important principles. He demonstrated that He's the Creator. He demonstrated that He controls the world precisely. He could make somebody healthy and somebody else not healthy, and they could be sitting right next to each other. God controls precisely every detail of the world. God demonstrated His power. God demonstrated that He speaks to mankind. All the tenets of Judaism were established through the Exodus. But God says, I'm not putting on the show every year. I'm not doing this every year. So this is what you're going to do. I did it once, never forget it. Tie leather straps around your arm every single day. And every single door, you have to have a sign that I did this. But listen carefully. If the purpose of Yitzias Mitzrayim is not just to remember God took us out of Egypt, but it's also to remind us God's taking us out of this Gullus, so it comes out that every moment in the day we have reminders to remember Hashem's going to redeem us. That means when you put on the tefillin and you remember God took us out of Egypt, you also have to remember God's going to take us out of America. And when you say Kriyat Shema and you say you have to remember God's going to take us out of this Galas. And then every Friday night when you make Kiddush you have to be Metzapeli Yeshua. So we have reminders all day long. Therefore, Ki Lishuatcha Kivinu Kal Hayom The whole day we're waiting for Geula. All day long. But what's very interesting is we have a tradition that there are two Mashiachs. Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David. Who did, where does that come from? Who said that? It's Gemara. The Gemara in Sukkah says that there was a prophecy of four carpenters. Who are they? Mashiach ben David and Mashiach ben Yosef. Did you ever wonder why do we need two Mashiachs? We need two Mashiachs. Let's have one, you know? Let's start with one. Why do we need two Mashiachs? Mashiach ben Yosef is compared to a shor, an ox. Because Yosef was Bechar Shoro Hadarla. Yosef was compared to an ox. Mashiach ben David is compared to Chamor. 
He's ani v'rochev al chamar, a poor man riding on a donkey. What does it mean? Mashiach ben Yosef is like a shor. Mashiach ben David is like a chamar. The Vilna Gaon wrote a commentary to a Kabbalistic work called Safra Ditsniuta. Vilna Gaon reveals to us the reason we need two Mashiachs is because we have two exiles in the end of days. We have Golos Edom. We have Golos Yishmael. Golos Edom is the Galus of Esav. Esav is an ox, a shore, a par. Mashiach ben Yosef takes us out of Galus Edom. Mashiach ben David takes us out of Galus Yishmael. Now what comes first? Mashiach ben Yosef or Mashiach ben David? Mashiach ben Yosef and then Mashiach ben David. Which would seem to mean first comes the end of Galus Edom and then comes the end of Galus Yishmael. Did you know that the Baal HaTurim in next week's parasha, parasha Toldot, has a very important and powerful observation. Does anybody know what's the last pasuk of this week's parasha? The very end of parasha Chayei Sarah. It talks about all the families of Yishmael and it says, Al Pnei Kol Echav Nafal. On the face of all their brothers they fall. It talks about the fall of Yishmael. And then the next words are next week's parasha, Ve'ele Toldot Yitzchak. Says Balaturim, Kishenafal Yishmael Besof Yamim Oz Yitzmach Ben David. Balaturim says in the end of days, Yishmael will fall, and that's when Mashiach comes. Which also indicates last Golos standing, Golos Yishmael. But I want to share with you the amazing interpretation of Rab Chaim Knievsky. Because you know, if we could say, is there any posek acharon? Is there any final word on who's the last nation standing? I would say it's Reb Chaim Knievsky. Do Sfaradim in the Haggadah, do you say Chad Gadya? You know the song, there's a piyot, Chad Gadya. Yeah? You say? So practically all of Klal Yisrael at the end of the Haggadah, after a little, you know, tipsy, had four cups of wine, we say this piyot, and many people think, I don't know, what is this piyot? Is a nursery rhyme? There's a father, and he buys a goat, and the goat gets eaten by a cat, and it gets, the cat gets eaten by a dog, and the dog gets hit by a stick, and the stick gets burnt by the fire, and the fire is, bur- is put out by the water, and the water is drunk by a bull, and then Shochet comes along, and then Malach Hamavas. How many characters are in Chad Gadya? Says Reb Chaim Knievsky. It's not difficult to see that there are eight characters in Chagadia. Says Reb Chaim, do you know who these eight characters are? These are the eight exiles that the Jewish people endure. Babylon, Kazdim, Paras, Madai, Yavan, Moktan, Esav, and Yishmael. And I think it would be very interesting to see Who's penultimate, who's second to last? And who's the ultimate galos? Who's the last galos? So Reb Chaim Knievsky proves Kedarko Bakodesh from Kala Torah Kula that the Babylonians were compared to cats. They cried out like cats. 
On the other hand, Belshatzar, who was uh, from Nebuchadnezzar, the Gemara says he drank from the Kalim of the Beit HaMikdash like a dog. So the Babylonian was the, were the cats. And the Chaladiyah, the Kazdim, were the dogs. And the Gemara says, Daryavesh, Koresh, busted open the brains of Belshazzar with a stick. So the Persians are like a stick. But then Achashverosh comes along, Vachamato Barabo, so the Medes are like a fire. And then the Macedonians come and they're like water, like the Gemara says in Tamid, that Alexander Mokdan, he went to Gan Eden and they sprinkled on him the waters of Gan Eden. And then the Yivanim, they're like fire. I'm sorry, they're like a bull. Remember, what did the Yivanim decree on the Jewish people? Kitvu lachem al keren hashor, right on the horn of an ox. Ein lachem chilek belekei Yisrael. Now we have two nations left. Edoim and Yishmael. We have two characters left. Shochet, Malach HaMavas. So now, between Edom and Yishmael, who's the Shochet? And who's the Malach HaMavas? I would say they're both fully qualified to assume either role. If you needed someone to be Shochet, I would have said, Yishmael is the Shochet. After all, Avram Avinu ve'es ben habakar asher asa v'yitain el hanar, the Gemara says, for the Shechita. So if I was writing a commentary on the Haggadah, I would have made Yishmael the Shochet. Why? Because I feel more comfortable if America is the last nation standing, not Yishmael. And who's the angel of death? My grandfather was in Auschwitz. He saw the angel of death. He saw Dr. Mengele. Esav is the angel of death. Now I want to tell you a very important chidosh. When my grandfather was in Auschwitz, he saw Eichmann. And Eichmann was best buds with the Mufti from Jerusalem. So Eichmann invited the Mufti from Jerusalem to Auschwitz. And they were holding each other arm in arm like two Ohavim. And they would march Jews in front of them and they would hit the Jew in a way that the Jew could not procreate again. And that was their entertainment. And my grandfather wrote in his personal memoirs that if Esav and Yishmael ever got together, they would destroy the world. And later I found in the comments of the Vilna Gaon that if Esav and Yishmael ever got together, they would destroy the world. By the way, that's why we don't wear Sha'atnez. You know, the Gra reveals that the root of Esav and Yishmael are Kayan and Hevel. Esav was Kayan, Yishmael is Hevel. Kayan brought what kind of karban? Miprihadama flax. Hevel brought son, wool. That's why you cannot mix wool and linen together because you're joining forces of Esav and Yishmael. That's why you can't plow with an ox and a donkey together because you're joining forces of Esav and Yishmael. You want to know what happens when Esav and Yishmael get together? Auschwitz. And by the way, you know, Hitler was days away from Palestine. And as Rommel was blitzkraging up from Egypt, he was, he was in a matter of days, he would have destroyed the whole country. They already had camps set up to round up all the Jews of Palestine and to exterminate them, chas v'shalom. 
And when the Arabs got wind that the Nazis were coming, they broadcast on the they were waving flags welcoming the Nazis. And they broadcast on the radio, Jews, we're going to slit your throats, we're going to abuse your wives, we're going to kill your children, welcome, bruchim habayim, Nazis. So if you want to get an understanding of the union of Esav and Yishmael, by the way, there was one other time in history where Esav and Yishmael came together. Haman, who's Esav, and Achashverosh, who's Paras, who according to what we're learning is Yishmael. You know what happens when Esav and Yishmael get together? Lehashmid, laharog, uliabed, kol hayyudim. Two times in history, Esav and Yishmael get together. So it's a good thing that, you know, there's this divide. It's a lifesaver. God always makes sure the Shor and the Chamar never get So I would have interpreted the Chagadia. The Shochet is Yishmael, like he is in the Chumash, last week's parsha. The Malach Hamoves is Adom, is Esav. But Reb Chaim Kinevsky says that's not the correct interpretation. Reb Chaim Kinevsky says, based on the Balaturim, Yishmael's the last man standing. For how long? We don't know. But this is uh, the interpretation of Reb Chaim Kinevsky. One thing we know is what the Gemara tells us. In the end of days, there'll be two nations standing. Paras and Romi. I'm going to throw in another curveball. The Vilna Gon teaches there's another nation that is subsumed under the general category of Paras. The Gemara says, what do we know about Paras? Does anybody know what animal is Paras compared to? Babylon is like a lion. Greece is like a leopard. Paras? A bear, a dove, a hairy bear. Vilna Gaon says there's another nation that's also a bear and is also Paras and has the same malach as Paras Russia Vilna Gaon writes openly Russia is also subsumed under Paras and you know if you study the, the uh, business transactions and the cash flow you see there's a lot of cash flow between the three nations of Paras Iran Russia Yishmael they have Zelle, they have PayPal, they have a lot of cash flow. So basically, in the end of days, the Gemara sets it up for us, black and white. Roimi and Paras. Who's Paras? Maral says, Yishmael is also Paras. Vilna Goin says, Russia is also Paras. Who's the last man standing? Different opinions. Balaturim says, Yishmael. Reb Chaim Knievsky, Yishmael. If you look in Toysvis, Nabadizara, Beis Amad Beis, he seems to say Roimi. Comes the Rambam. And the Rambam says, don't think too much about this. Don't spend time on this. Don't waste your energy on this. We're learning it because, you know, we have to have some context to understand in general what's going on. The Rambam says that even though there are many things in the destiny of the Jewish people that we have a clear tradition about, the Rambam says, regarding how the end of days will unfold, there is no clear tradition. Even the Nevi'im didn't know, the Rambam writes. And therefore, don't spend so much time studying it, thinking about it, worrying about it. 
because it does not bring to Yerat Shamayim. But one thing we need to do is we need to make sure we're Metzapeli Yeshua. We need to make sure, let me share with you, the intervals, the times that are dedicated, that are predisposed to awaiting the coming of Mashiach. Number one, three times a day when you say the words, Ki lishuatcha kivinu kal hayom. Make sure you don't lose that opportunity to be mekayim litzapot liyeshua. Number two, every time you put on tefillin, you're remembering Yitziat Mitzrayim. Every time you walk out of a door, you're remembering Yitziat Mitzrayim. Every mitzvah that's Zechel Yitzit Mitzrayim, it should stir your mind. I believe God took us out of Mitzrayim and I'm awaiting the Geulah Ha'atidah. Number three, Kabbalat Shabbat. Shabbat and Yerushalayim are synonymous. You know, the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed. Anybody know what time of the, of the week? What day of the week was the Beit HaMikdash destroyed? Matzoi Shabbat, Barishon Uvashniya. Maral says, it's not a coincidence. The Chorban is only possible when you're moving away from Shabbat. So as you're headed toward Shabbat, that's the time that is designated for Binyan Beit HaMikdash. So did you realize as part of Kabbalat Shabbat, L'chadodi, L'krat Kala, it's mostly not about Shabbat, it's mostly about awaiting, rebuilding of Yerushalayim, restoration of Malchut Beit David, the restoration of Nevuah, because as we're approaching Shabbat and we're yearning for the Shabbat, so yearning, so yearning for the coming of Mashiach. And you know what's another very important time to yearn for the coming of Mashiach? When you see Yishmael rear its ugly head, then you know the end is close. How close? Only Hashem knows. But our responsibility? Let's support Yeshua. Does anybody remember Rabbi Akiva's reaction when he saw Shualim on the Har Habayit? Mitzachek. He's laughing. What's so funny about Shualim on the Har Habayit? What's so funny? Shualim Otiot Yishmael. The Shualim represents Yishmael. When Yishmael claims the Har Habayis is ours, Yishalayim is ours, the land is ours, Rabbi Akiva laughs because Rabbi Akiva knows He knows the end is near. We're close to the finish line. We're almost there. But, says the Chidah, David Avdecha Why? In the Zechut of Ki Lishuatcha Kivinu Kalayam. In the merit of our yearning are awaiting, are davening, are demanding, demanding. The Gemara says, Tzion hi doresh ein la, meklal drisha. We need to ask for it. We need to be toveya it. We need to claim it. B'schutzeh, we shall be zochet to see. Hashem shall watch over Achinu, Beis Yisrael, Be'eretz Yisrael, V'v'chal Makom, and we shall all be zochet to see. Yeshuot v'nechamot lanu l'chol Yisrael. Amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.